Testament, 1 John chapter 3, page 863 in the New Testament. And Tian's going to read from verse 1 through to verse 10. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to, to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the word of God. Sue and Sylvester's going to preach it to us, brother. <laughs> good on you, Sylvester. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, could you please... Uh, Leave your Bibles open to 1 John chapter 3, as I'll be referring to in my talk today. Uh, before we start, let's uh, give a word of prayer. Let's pray. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, uh, thank you, Lord, that you give us uh, your word. Pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit may be upon us right now uh, to help us understand your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Australia is a nation that is obsessed with sport. Many of us are either involved with one of the following sports, either rugby, AFL, soccer, cricket, or even basketball. I must admit, when, whenever I read the newspaper, I always turn to the sports section first before reading any other articles. Today, many sporting heroes are rich and famous, and they get a lot of media attention. They expect it to be act in an honourable way because they represent their countries and also they are role models to our younger generations. But sadly, controversy happens as more and more high-profile sports athletes are involved with bad behaviour and have their face plastered among the front pages of the newspapers, destroying their own reputations. We remember this year that, the Nick, that Nick Darcy, a high-profile swim star, who misbehaved after he made it into the Australian sports in the swimming team in the Olympics. He brought himself and the sport into disrepute with assaulting former swimmer Simon Cowley in a Sydney nightclub not long ago. 
soon after that, we heard that he was dropped from the Sydney Olympic, from the Olympic team because he had failed to meet the expectations of an Olympic athlete. Even recently this year in February, AFL players were educated in how to respect women as behaviour of the AFL players got out of hand with a few sexual allegations. Chris Judd, an AFL player, was once quoted saying that he just wanted to be remembered as a sports person. He goes on saying that he wanted to be known as a good, fo good football player, nothing more and nothing less. It seems to us that the attitude of these sporting heroes just want to be known as good sportsmen, but ignore the fact that, are, that they are role models outside the sporting field. Today, as we look at John's letter, it deals with the immoral behaviour that these false teachers were impressing on the, on the churches at that, at that time. The false teachers were involved with controversial teaching and putting Christianity into disrepute. They were teaching false ideas that a child of God could be involved with immoral behaviour. The church was impacted by their teaching and it had deeply concerned John because it had happened to threaten to destroy the assurance of salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. In this section of this letter, John shows, us the, church, John shows the church to shun false teachers and to teach them to live as children of God. As we look at John's letter today, we see that more than any other book in the Bible, 1 John seems to be written to help us practically in our everyday battles. John writes this letter to encourage the early church. He writes this saying, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. The book was written, he says, to help believers of their full assurance they have eternal life and also be confident of this reality. These false teachers who were saying things like, sound like good news and strong assurance, but really they have the opposite effect. John deals with these false teachers in this letter and shows us how to deal with our own sin and relation for us to fight for our assurance in Christ. So today, as we look at chapter 3, we will see the true reality of our identity as followers of Jesus. John's Gospel tells his readers that all those who have received him and all those who have believed in his name will be called children of God. For we are all children, not born of natural descent, not born of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Chapter 3 answers this question. What does God expect me as a child of God? Firstly, John reminds us, in order to be identified as God's children, we need to live lives of purity. Join with me as I read from verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that, is, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We are called children of God 
because it is God who accepts us. It is because of God's generous love that we, we, are, that we are all privileged to be his children. It's quite an immense privilege for us because we are accepted into God's family, chosen by him. The passage brings us back to reality that because we are God's children, the world will reject us. The world will reject us because the world does not know who God is. The world fails to recognise God's generous love and rejects the love that he freely gives to us. We we live in a world that that we are influenced by the evil one, Satan. If we live in a world that is influenced by Satan, how can we live as God's children? How can we live with purity as the world influences us? Well, we find our answer in verse 2. So read with me from verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This passage reminds us of the hope that God has promised us. The hope is that when Jesus appears, we will be holy and blameless like him, as we will share in his glory. This is something that we all struggle to comprehend with. But one thing is certain. We will one day see God in his glory. To see and see God in his glory is our future hope. But what about our hope now? How does this hope help us to live in this world that does not know God? Well, in verse 3, it shows us... John shows us that how everyone who has this hope in Jesus purifies himself. So everyone who has this hope in Jesus purifies himself because Jesus himself is pure. Because of our hope in him, we strive to live as pure and to be Christ-like. To strive to be Christ-like is to live moral and pure lives free from the corruption of sin. John here tells us to strive to live moral lives and pure lives until we see Jesus face to face. In 2002, Wick Rowan wrote this book, The Purpose Driven Life. My mum gave me this copy of this book and encouraged me to read it. I didn't like reading books back then but, and I was quite reluctant to read it. But until I found that the book was structured so that I only needed to read a couple pages per day. And then my reading was done. It was a great joy to me because it was only that, uh, that it would only take me five minutes to read this book per, time, uh, per day, and my daily reading was done. But I remember these five minutes that I read this book that it helped me shape my Christian life. It helped me shape my purpose living as a Christian, and it continues to shape my life today. One chapter that drew my attention was called Life on Earth is a Temporary Assignment. I found that viewing my life as a life 
on earth is a temporary assignment, quite thought-provoking. Rick here says that life on earth is not a permanent home, nor it's our final destination. We're just passing through, just visiting earth. He further explains that as follows Jesus, we will experience difficulty, sorrow and rejection in this world. Some of our prayers seem unanswered and some circumstances seem quite unfair. If we are too attached to this world, then we will be discontent and dissatisfied and our longings will never be fulfilled. He concludes, we are made for something else better. Friends, let's not try to be too attached to this world as everything on this world is temporary. We might have to avoid certain things that might stumble or influence us, like TV, the internet, gossip magazines, certain friends that influence us in the wrong way, or basically just situations that tempt us. Instead, we should be attached to God because He is our hope and and He will purify us. Our lives in this world are temporary assignments. The assignment that God gives us is to live like Christ, to be striving for purity and to live free from the corruption of sin. We are not made for this world. We are made to be in a living hope, to be like Christ, in hoping to be Christ-like. We continue to purify ourselves because Christ himself is pure. So just as we... Just as you've seen, God expects us to live pure lives. The next passages shows us that we expect to live in Christ. John reminds us of the, his gospel, of the gospel as we read from verse 5. So join with me as I read from verse 5. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was a perfect sacrifice because we know he was without sin. This is, this is the heart of the Gospel message, that Jesus appeared and to us and he might take away our sins. John here brings us back to the message of the gospel because Jesus wants us, because he wants us to highlight that Jesus was Jesus was the highlight because of the highlight of the seriousness of sin in our lives. The false teachers in the early church viewed sin as something of little importance. The false teachers taught that it was impossible that it was it was possible for us to live sinful lives and also to live in Christ. However, John says that this is impossible because Jesus appeared to deal with the consequences of sin in our lives and the sinful acts of his people, as only Jesus was without sin. John continues this in verse 6 by stating that no one who lives in Jesus keeps on sinning. In verse 4, John says that sin is in fact lawlessness. It's lawlessness because it is living a life 
that rejects God. Sin is direct opposition to God. When we sin, we tell God that we want to do things our own way. John wants to show us that it is impossible to follow Jesus and at the same time to live in sin. It is impossible for us to let sin dominate our lives if we live in Christ. God wants us to treat our relationship with him seriously and not to toy around with sin. To live in Christ means we are to take sin seriously and to strive to avoid it. Sometimes, you know, when we don't work, treat work serious, with seriousness, we bear the consequences and the blame. When I was working as a programmer, I began to slack off and did not take my work seriously. So each day, I just did the work without much care and gave the impression that I had finished all my work each day. Then one day, my boss gave me a particular job for a customer and wanted me to check if the software was working properly. I looked at the clock and noticed it was five minutes till home, term, home time. I was feeling quite discontent and wanted to get out of work quickly. So I ch quickly checked and fixed most of the problems. But I found an error in the software. I decided not to fix it because it was home time and I wanted to go and I wanted to leave. So I convinced myself that my boss wouldn't see that error. I submitted the software to my manager and gave the thumbs up and that was all done. Not long after, of course, my manager ran the software and noticed the error. And that day, I had the blasting of my life and it felt like eternity and was the worst day of my working career. I learned my lesson uh, on, that day and, and onwards, I treated my work with seriousness, checking my work at least three times before handing it in. I was quite scared for my life because I was scared that I might get that blasting again. Sometimes we don't treat our Christian life seriously. We slack off and take God's grace for granted by sinning. We know that sinning is wrong, but we continue to sin because sometimes it feels good and we always find ways to justify our actions. We keep on coming back and back again until we're taken hold by the sin. When we reach this point, when we reach this point we don't see the seriousness of sin in our lives and we all become desensitised. But Jesus comes back to take away our sin and we should put a stop to it and not to live in sin. Friends, what sin are you struggling with today? Are we struggling with our relationship with God? Are we struggling with temptation? Are we struggling to show grace to others? Or... Are we, are we struggling to, sh to love God and others around us? Like you, I myself struggle with sin. But we, but we need to remember to take our Christian life seriously. We need to recognise our struggle with sin and ask God with his enabling grace and strength to, over our, to overcome our struggle with sin. As we always can find forgiveness and reconciliation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's him who can restore our relationship with God, him, with him once again. 
Just as we've seen, for us to live in Christ, we must take our sin seriously. The next passages will show us, show us how we can live and identify ourselves as living as God's children. So read with me from verse 9. So verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. As children of God, we are born again because we are not born of this world, but born of God. We live as aliens in this world and we do not belong to this world. We are, not, we are not governed by this world, but by God only. John here tells his readers, because we are born of God, we cannot go on sinning and cannot continue to sin. When you first read this passage, we may think that it means for us to live with sinless perfection. Does it mean if we are children of God, then we can claim that we are without sin? Well, no. Because we still battle with sin in our lives. And John here is trying to address this issue of false teaching in this time. The false teachers have claimed that they were without sin because they were born of God. They claim that were sinless because they disconnected from what you are from what you do. The false teacher is basically saying that if your body is doing something that is sinful, it's not really you that's carrying out the sin. The real you is born of God, who is above daily physical life and can never be defiled by sin. The false teachers' claims were impossible because John refutes their teaching in chapter 1 by saying, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So there's no such thing as a sinless Christian. John shows us that the children of God and sin do not mix well. The false teachers at that time were claiming that to be sinless, but sinning with their bodies at the same time. John addresses, on the other hand, te teaches that if we are children of God, then we should not sin as a habit. I'm not suggesting we can live with sinlessly, but we avoid to be caught up into sin. Instead, John addresses his readers in verse 7 by saying this, not, not let anyone of these false teachers lead astray, but to do what is righteous. They, they are to do what is righteous because they do not belong to sin because sin is of the devil. In verse 8 we see, it says that Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. In verse 10, we see that God wants us to, be, to do right in his light and to be obedient to his word and to love our fellow brothers and sisters. Earlier this year, I went to a camp called, uh, for high school students called KIC, which is a Katoomba Youth Convention for high school students. One of, speak one of the speakers spoke something that was true for, for all the youth in the auditorium. He said this, It is easier for a, to be a Christian at kick than to be a Christian at school. 
This truth is confronting as it relate to my own life, that it's easier to be a Christian on Sunday than to be a Christian on any other day. I find it hard to be a Christian, especially around my friends. I was dreading my friend's Bucks night a couple of years ago. I was dreading that because I knew that the Bucks night would lead to drunkenness and possibly a club. I struggled with that temptation, not to show my friends that I was boring or, or soft. I had a fear with my friends that would say, to, that they would say in my face that my life is boring and that I was a killjoy because I did not want to join in their activities. In the course of the night, my friends decided to go to a place that I was not comfortable in going in. And I found myself facing a decision whether to not to join them or not. Being a Christian at this point was not easy because I knew by standing against the activity, I would be ridiculed along with my faith. But I took a stand not to join them in activities. But I was presently surprised that one of my other friends did not want to join because he was a Muslim. We were both ridiculed by our, for our faith. My pride was broken and I felt that was the right decision to make as a child of God. Being a child of God is not easy. As we know, it's easier to be a Christian on Sunday with fellow brothers and sisters than in any other day because we are confronted with a decision that we have to make that will compromise our moral values. The world tells us that living immorally is okay because it's the norm. However, John reminds us that we are born as children of God and that we should no longer continue to sin. Sinning is the work of the devil, yet Jesus came down to destroy his work and we should not be a part of the devil's work. Standing up for our faith and moral values can be hard at times. But there are times when you find it difficult because we all might succumb to peer pressure from our friends. It's difficult because sometimes we find that it's too tempting. Difficult because we find it hard to love others. And difficult because we are all in the habit of doing what opposite of what God wants us to do. It's always going to be difficult. It's because we, but we need to know that we have strength from God. And sh we should always realize that it's through God that He gives us strength to stand up for our, for our faith in God. And so God expects us to live our lives as His children of God in righteousness. We are all children of God, not born of natural descent, because we have all been born of God. This is because of God's gracious love that he calls us to be his children. And now we are accepted into his family as God's chosen ones. As God's children, we, may, we can enjoy our identity in him. And the reality is that we live in a fallen world that influences our Christian life. God has expectations on how we live as his children. And today we saw how John shows us in his letter. John gives us three points. Firstly, John encourages us to strive for purity as we live in a world that is polluted by sin. Life on earth is a temporary assignment as we strive to become like Christ. 
to live lives to be pure and free from the corruption of sin. We are not made for this world, but made for our living for a hope. Because of this hope, we live to live pure lives for Christ, because he himself is pure. Second point, John encouraged us to live in Christ. God wants us to take sin seriously and avoid it completely. The heart of the gospel message is that Jesus came, took away our sin, so we are no longer bound to sin. God calls us to live in Christ so we can live righteously in him. We are to live lives ruled by God and say no to sin. Thirdly, John encourages us to live as children of God. God God tells us, God calls us to live in his light, obedient to his word and love our our fellow brothers and sisters. This way, we are not letting sin ruin our lives and we can be focused on living as children of God. Friends, being a child of God is not easy in this world because Jesus tells us that the road we walk on is narrow and, and hard. As we stumble along this road, we will fall and sometimes even venture off track. But we can always find forgiveness through Jesus and find our way back into that narrow road. It's wonderful, isn't it, that we all have made a commitment to Christ to be followers of God and he calls us to be children of God because of God's great love that he's lavished upon us. It's also wonderful to know that we are part of his family, his kingdom, and his chosen ones as we take up our cross and follow him. How great is the love of the Father that he's lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you have lavished on us. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us, and that we can accept you, and that you have accepted us as children of God. We pray, Lord, that we can continue to live righteous lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.